Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is David Sparks, here for a, we're going to call them Perfect Six. Uh, I've been struggling to come up with a name for these top three pick only episodes, and it was pointed out to me by my friend Marina that six is the perf- first perfect number, and I had to look that up, but it is uh, a positive integer that is equal to the sum of its proper positive divisors, that is the sum of its positive divisors, divisors excluding the number itself. So I'm not going to go into that because I'm not a math guy, but uh, we're just going to call it the perfect six. So welcome, David. Hey, Brett. Um, we, we should probably uh, we should talk about the elephant in the room, which yeah. would be the fact that the gorilla on the couch, elephant in the room. Whatever. All the animals. As of the day that this episode comes out, we will have two days ago released the second volume of 60 tips for Mac. 60 Mac tips. Five years in the making. Has it? Was it five years in between? Yeah. Wow. I I looked at in the introduction. I'd written the other one five years, exactly five years earlier. That's right. Like to the day. Um, Yeah. Yeah. the, The thing is, it was actually really only, what, six months in production? Yeah, about. We just took a long break in between. Yeah. And Apple made a lot of changes, so it gave us a lot to work with. <laughs> or on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or both. Yeah. So anyway. It's been really great, though. I, and we've had some great feedback, though. I, people are liking the book. That's, yes. That's good. I And I feel like the initial burst is always just because you and I both have fairly popular names in the nerd community. So there's always like, hooray, they have a book, but then people read it and then the reviews really matter. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching those come in thus far. Very positive. Except for one typo. I know that's my fault. (laughs) It's like (laughs) one page I didn't get to proofread. Yeah. The, what we did was in addition to making the new book, we went back and updated the old book. And I had these grand designs on having very extensive release notes showing all the stuff we uh, we changed. And we changed a lot and things just got fast and furious and we were under a deadline. And I wrote that page and then hit send to Apple and I had a typo. <laughs> um, let's not call it the old book. Let's yes, call it the first one. volume. Well, it's not the old book anymore. A lot of it is new. Right. It's a completely it's a it's a total misnomer. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we did, we replaced tips that didn't work and we updated tips that have changed and that makes it basically a full 120 tips available now. A lot of tips. All all good on High Sierra. Yeah. Some only good on High Sierra, but yeah, I feel like the people who are buying this probably if they haven't already upgraded are planning to anyway. I don't feel like we need to be overly backward compatible. Did I tell you I accidentally upgraded my iPhone to beta? No. <laughs> yeah. I uh, my So my iPhone, I was running the betas in iOS 11, and there's a profile that you enable to run those betas. And yep. usually after the new, after they do the gold master and they release it, I always kill the profile because I don't want to get the the point one betas. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be in that business, you know, <laughs> and the... Uh, and for some reason, I forgot to disable it. And and they Apple came out with a um, a maintenance update for iOS 11. So I just hit up update. Yeah, sure. Up, give me the update. And then it ran, and I realized, oh, I just put 
11.1 on my iPhone. That's great. Another beta. Well, well, it's better than an alpha. Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. I, I, I will admit, I didn't install um, iOS 11 or High Sierra until we started doing this book. Yeah. And I really should have way before that, given I needed to test my my app on the App Store. But I didn't. Fortunately, it works fine with High Sierra, so no last-minute emergency there. Good. Anyhow. So... That brings us almost immediately to the top three picks. One, so one at a time, back and forth, and you get to start. All right. I, I'm going to pick uh, one that I truly love, and that is my Apple AirPods. That this, little dental floss thing in my pocket right now, I love that. <laughs> this is definitely a recurring theme on the show. They oh, seem is to it? be Well, yeah. yeah, that doesn't matter. They seem to be very well received. Um, I haven't heard from anyone yet who says it was a total waste of money and I wish I hadn't gotten them. Yeah, they're great. I mean, it's just uh, I spend. Uh, so the, the ways I use them, number one is uh, they fit in this little dental plot floss size box. And if you wear jeans, that fits exactly in the coin pocket of your jeans. So Not you always mine. know where they're at. And uh, well, you you have those skinny jeans. I know you. I've been buying straight leg jeans, which to me are as skinny as I would probably ever wear. But they definitely have smaller coin pocket. I um I also uh, have uh because during because I will basically wear two outfits during the summer. I have these lands in shorts and pants that are very uh, breathable and very cool in Southern California, and they have a little uh can they have a little uh, cargo pocket on the side that is Velcro and. And so the AirPods fit in that in the summer and they fit in the coin pocket in the winter. So I always know where they're at. They're great. You stick them in your ear. They work. Uh, I don't mind. You can double tap to activate Siri. I'm one of the weirdos that that kind of likes Siri. So it's great having that work for me. And uh, it makes it's good for phone calls because I make a lot of phone calls on the day job. And uh, so much so that sometimes I have to hot swap them, you know, where you start getting the notice that, the, the batteries are dying. So I'll put one into the case because the case has a battery built into it. And so I'll put the left one in there. The left one will be charging while I'm talking on the right one until it runs out of gas. And then I'll just pull the left one out and put the right one back in the case. So I do this thing, you know, this little dance because they work great with, with just one as well for phone calls. So um, I, I, you didn't know this, but I just got my AirPods yesterday. They just showed up. All right. Um, so I am still acclimating to them. It seems like when I take one out, out of my ear, it pauses my music. Or am I just accidentally tapping it? It may be that you're tapping because I like I'll have to think about it. What I mainly listen to through these things is um, uh, podcasts, books on tape and phone calls for for music. I usually just play, I have some nice uh, Sono speakers, so I just play through the speakers. Yeah, so um, I, I got them mostly for running. Yeah. Um, and they sound great. I am just still learning my way around the um, kind of interface. Uh, the double tap is kind of confusing me. I guess it seems really simple, but somehow it's not as fast as I would expect. Is there a like play, pause, fast forward? Yeah, I was just looking, and I think it's in settings on iOS 11. You can tell the AirPods to, uh, on the right side is Siri, on the left side is Play Pause. You can actually have separate 
Ooh, controls. Yeah, that's kind of what I was hoping for. See, uh, I, I need to I need to RTFM right now. I just stuck them in and and played with them. But like I said, everyone seems to love them. I could finally justify the purchase, and and I uh, thus far super impressed. I one of my picks is going to be how I made them work better for running. But yeah. Well, I mean, now they're available. For the longest time, you would order them, and it would take a month or two to get them because Apple just couldn't make them fast enough. So now they're, I think they're generally available now. Um, so if you've been waiting, I think you may even be able to go to an Apple store and get a pair now without, you know, really making a lot of work out of it. And uh, I, I do really love these things. They're they're just the best. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's better quality audio out there, but they're just so convenient. Um, a couple tips I would give you is number one, never ever leave the case and go walk away with them in your ears. Because whenever you get to the point that you need to take them out of your ears, you need to put them in the case immediately. <laughs> or you'll <laughs> lose too, them. Yeah, they are just way too <laughs> small. And um, and I just like, it's like, it's one of those manic things. Like when I first got an iPhone, I made this rule that I would always carry it in my left pocket. That was like, and I just trained myself. My keys, nothing else goes in the left pocket now except the iPhone. And if you look at my jeans, there's like an iPhone outline, like a, like a, you know, like when yeah. somebody dies and they draw the chalk line. I've got that on all my pants. Now. Or like a lot of guys have with their wallet on the back of their jeans. Yeah. 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 So, but anyway, so I always put the, so I do, I got the same habit now going for the, the AirPods. I always carry the case with me. A couple of weeks ago, I opened up the case and the AirPods weren't in there and I flipped, I, I tweeted it out and everybody, you know, made fun of me. And, uh, and fortunately Apple has find my AirPods in the find my iPhone app. Yeah. So, so I activated that and they started beeping. They were, they were on the couch. I had taken them out and not put them in the case. And, uh, so I, all is good. I got my AirPods back. Yeah. But, uh, but they, I, I know a lot, I think that's the biggest reason not to buy them for a lot of people is they're just afraid to lose them. They're too expensive and they're very small, but if you're careful, uh, they, you know, I think it's worth it. It seems like the find my iPhone, find my AirPods thing actually solves that for me. I would think for a lot of people, but yeah, like I was thinking when you're running, I would be careful, I guess that they don't fall out. Yep. Um, I, I have solutions. Don't worry. Yeah. I, I like, I bicycle a lot, but I, I don't put any, uh, earphones in when I bicycle. I'm always afraid I'll get run over. I got to just pay attention. I just sing when I ride my bike, I'll sing some song. <laughs> Karaoke bike ride. Yeah, I mean, no, that's the one place I can do it or nobody else can hear, so why not? Yeah. All right. So then, my first pick. I'm I'm going to do my AirPod-related one right now because it makes the most sense. So that would. when I ordered my AirPods, at the same time, I ordered these things on Amazon called Ear Buddies with a Z. Not Zero Buddies, Ear, E-A-R-B-U-D-D-Y-Z. Um, and they are wings. Like, so I bought, I, was, I actually bought them at the Apple store. I got this pair of Bose headphones that instead of like trying to bury themselves in your ear canal, which doesn't work for me because my ear canals are different sizes and I can never find the right combination to keep earbuds in. So even with workout stuff, I've generally preferred lightweight, like sport over the ear headphones. Yeah. Um, but then I got these, these bows with the wings and they kind of like, they hang the speaker in your ear canal through the like, uh, cartilage in your ear, like with, with wings. 
And, uh, and they were amazing. Like they were the best fitting headphones I'd ever had. So when I ordered the AirPods, um, I, I went and I looked on Amazon and found these. And I can say now that I have my AirPods. They work great. Um, they just slip their little silicone things that slip over the, uh, the, the AirPod and hang it in your ear. So does it hang on the outside of your ear? No. Or is it? So it you, know, the... you know how you have like your ear canal and then you yeah. always have the ridges right above yeah. it. It, it yeah. kind of hooks into those. Nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know who originally came up with the concept, but they're more and more common. So, yeah, that, and I was also going to mention, there is a product, there's probably a ton of these, but um, Chide makes uh, an anti-lost AirPods strap, and they basically, it's a little silicone strap that fits onto the ends of each earbud, and then just goes around the back of your neck, the way that you would see on a pair of, like, sport earbuds. Yeah, I, I like the one you got though better. I feel like I, I don't want string or like a see cord if if I'm there. running though, I might consider. I might consider the strap. Just I mean, it's the same reason you would wear you know sports eyeglasses. Yeah. I don't like the strap, but it means I'm not going to draw my eyeglasses. Yeah, I I should get something like that because I often wear them when I'm working in the yard, and uh, that's yeah. another good place. You get sweaty and things start flying around. Yeah. And no one's looking like, at you, so it's not yeah. a fashion thing. Nothing for me is a fashion thing, right? I don't know those uh, those glasses you had last time I saw you, the very round ones. Oh yeah, those that was pretty, pretty fashion fancy. forward. Yeah, that was pretty fancy. When I got them, they were cool. Now they're old school. So yeah, I, I've I been alright with that in my own life. I I am old enough now that. Things that I bought when they were trendy and, you know, they went out of style like two years later and I just stuck them in a closet. I'm old enough now that stuff's coming back. Go for it, brother. I'm on the Vanguard again. There you go. All right. So what's your second pick? Um, I have uh, always been a nerd. And one of the things I've been super interested in is home automation. And I've I've gone down all the rabbit holes. You know, I, I just... My problem is I have no patience, so I bought some of the Hue light bulbs, and I've got some of the Wemos, and all you know, basically anything with that's got a cutesy marketing name and it's supposed to be home automation. I probably have one of them, and it's been great. But the problem is I live with other people who are not as nerdy as I am, and a lot of the home automation stuff for lighting has always relied on leaving the lights turned on. You know, like mm-hmm. the hue bulbs. <laughs> if you turn a switch off, everything breaks. Yep. And and also just the whole idea of like, hey, I made it great. It's now super nerdy and automation. So when you get home, rather than just use the <laughs> light switch, please take your phone out of your pocket, boot up the app. You and, are you preaching know. to the so, choir. Yes. So my family basically hates me for a lot of this stuff. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we're getting ready to do a big show on Mac Power Users on home automation. We're having a guy in who, who makes his living doing home automation stuff for people. And that's in a couple of weeks. So I said, what do I do so my family doesn't hate me? And he uh, he turned me on to these Lutron Cassetta switches. So Lutron's a company that makes these switches. Cassetta is a certain brand that they make. And they're just replacement wall switches that you put in your wall. And... Um, they have uh, downside is they have a hub, you know, like all these things you connect. It's a, a little bridge that you connect to your your wireless network. 
so you've got another little dongle thing that you got to stick underneath your your closet but the um but they are super fast super reliable and great so uh, i'm slowly switching out the switches in my house to these lutron cassette switches and now suddenly my whole family is using automation because uh, it's on the wall so they can come in and do the old fashioned thing where they turn the switch on or off if they turn the switch off it's still visible to my home automation stuff. Also, Lutron Cassetta is entirely um, uh, HomeKit compliant. And so that was the other big problem I had with my, my wife and kids is they didn't want to have a whole folder full of apps to turn the lights on. Uh, and so now I've got this rule, anything I'm going to add to the system is going to work in HomeKit. And so everybody has the HomeKit app. And like now with iOS 11, you can just literally swipe up and there's a control center icon that's got your main stuff there. So everybody can get access to it much easier. Uh, because I've got an Apple TV, they can do it remotely. When they're even not even at the house, they can like turn the porch lights on. And this uh, these Cassetta switches have been a turning point in getting my non-nerd family members to get into home automation stuff. So now, suddenly, they're interested. Like, um, my wife said, well, can you turn on a recipe so when we get home and it's dark, it automatically turns on this light and that light? I'm like, yes, we can do that now. And um, I feel like we're uh, we're great. You know, Apple has made HomeKit stronger, and now we're starting to get more devices that support it. And suddenly home automation stuff is more than just a nerdy hobby for me. It's something we're actually using. So I'm a big fan of the Lutron Cassetta switches. Do you know my history with home automation? Uh, we've talked about a little bit. I don't know the most recent stuff, though. What's going on? Well, let's go way back. Uh, when I first started doing home automation, it was 11 years ago. And you were more. like on the, was it the X1 or X10. what was that thing? X10. Yeah. X10. And I had a an always on PC that I spent hours writing VBS, VB scripts for. And, um, and I had, I was living in a house that had this old like 80s intercom system yeah like the push to talk kind and yeah. it had an always listening mode like for a baby monitor so yeah. i had wired that into my computer as a microphone so that from anywhere in the house i could just talk yeah and it had uh what would now be pretty rudimentary voice recognition but it was good enough and it could speak back to me it would when i like close the bathroom door the lights would come on and if it was a certain time in the morning, it would read me the news and my schedule. And uh, uh, the whole thing was very much bootstrapped and uh, just rigged together with wires running behind walls and everything. So I've been doing this for a long time and I, I dealt with the um, other people in the house issue early on. Yeah. But it is never like the fact is, even if you buy all the really good stuff, automation is not perfect. There's there's like no perfect system yeah. yet and it will fail and people will be like, why can't we just have light switches? And uh, so I did. I started uh, replacing all the light switches in the house way back in the X10 days. Now I use Insteon switches and those all run to my mac mini running indigo and then i run homebridge on top of indigo which makes everything in indigo which is all x10 xeon uh, uh 
big, 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 I don't even remember all the protocols, but Insteon and whatnot. Um, and it makes those HomeKit compliant and I can access them all through Siri. And then I can set up scenes using Siri's connection to the home bridge. And that has worked out really well. Like I said, I have, I have switches where switches are, you know, where people would normally turn off my lamps and take away control from them. And yeah. then motion detectors through the house and a bunch of logic scripts that I'm still working bugs out on after a recent move. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I'm familiar with all the problems you're running into. I have not seen these, what, Cassetta switches? Yeah. Um, I like the Insteon because they're all power line and they work with the hub that I have for everything else. And they make they make some that are the really nice kind with the like LED brightness meter on the side, push to fade and dim. And like a single yeah. tap will slowly dim the lights out. Double tap will instant off. I, I like it. Well, the, the nice thing with HomeKit, as it's finally kind of maturing, like I said, is that the the non-nerds, the civilians in the house can just they you swipe up the bottom, you hit the home kit icon, and it's got the most common lights listed. So if you want to, you know, like like I said, you know, the most common for us is turn on the porch light while you're coming home, or you wake up and you want to turn the downstairs lights on. And and as I'm building the system out, it's kind of nice because you can add switches that you can program to do other things. Like I've got one switch by the front door now that when you tap it, uh, it either turns all of the lights on or all the lights off. So as you, as you get in, if you want to just say, okay, I want the, to light the house up as I walk into the dark house, you push one button. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Also, but, uh, you can use, but we, we haven't gone as far down the stack as you have. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Insteon makes these, uh, wall mount like scene controllers. So instead of a light switch, you have like four or eight buttons. And you can yeah. have those control like entire scenes and you can have one like arm your alarm system. And if you have an automated deadbolt, lock your doors and one that turns on one whole floor's worth of lights and sets up movie watching and all of that. I have to say, yeah. being able to ask Siri to do that stuff now, it's way better than a 1980s intercom system. Yeah, that's like that's well, and that's, that's, and the that's the dream. The other nice thing. <laughs> that's the dream the watch solved for me. Siri turn yeah, on my lights. That's it. That exactly with with um, the HomeKit integration and the watch, all the stuff works really great. Uh, we tried because uh, I I do have an Amazon Echo and we did create uh, connections for that stuff, but there was a little bit of a delay. But yeah. you know, it would get the command, and between the time it got the command and the time the things would turn off, there was probably three to four second delay, huh. and that's just enough to make civilians you know keep issuing the command over and again yeah, and sure. get frustrated so uh so actually i have found at least for these particular devices siri is, is better and faster that's interesting but, with wi-fi controlled lights um well the switches are i believe this is a wi-fi technology you said it connected to the oh it probably used like a, a btle to the hub and then the hub yeah, communicates I don't know. over wi-fi I know that there are some that do not need a hub and they work off Bluetooth yeah. and reading reviews on those weren't, weren't that great because like, you know, Bluetooth does degrade. Uh, so, I, you know, I just don't know. I don't know what the underlying technology is, but man, they work. They aren't cheap. I think it costs like 
70 or 80 bucks to get the first one and everyone after that's $50. So like every month I buy another one. It's kind of my little you know, treat. It is to, a, uh, uh, it's an expensive hobby. Yeah. Of course, but, if, but if you want to go old I'm, school, X10, you can buy like buckets of X10 stuff for like 10 bucks now. It also sucks. Yeah, but. Pay, yeah. yeah but you know, I, the, the, but the reason I picked this is because this is the, of all the stuff that I've tried in this neighborhood, this is the first one where like the family has not only not mocked me, they have actually embraced it. They're like, Oh, this works. Okay. This is good. And, and the fact that they can go to the wall switch and turn it off or on. And the fact that they can easily access the switches on their phones and iPads, uh, makes all the difference. Yep. And, and it, and it just works. I mean, we haven't had the situation yet where you push the button on the wall and the lights don't turn on. I think that is the biggest, uh, sticking point when adding automation forcing it on people around you is light switches i think you're right like having making them change their habits in order to add automation it's never going to go over well adding automation to the system they're already used to e.g light switches um yeah that makes perfect sense I also put a couple sensors on the doors and I'm not sure what I'm going to do with those yet. I mean, now I have a way to log when the door opens and closes. I guess that's cool when you have teenagers. So I I use mine along with motion sensors as occupancy. So like if the motion detector goes off while a door is closed, it just continues the occupancy timer to say like someone is in this room. And then if the motion sensor goes off and the door is open, it often has different behaviors because it can assume that was maybe a cat walking through or something. Um, yeah. Depends on the room, but I use them as part of logic in other scenes. Okay. Also, well, I, I, I don't have any kids, so I don't need a log. <laughs> so, <laughs> different. I don't either. My kids are good. Honestly, Garage door they... sensors are handy though. And yeah. it used to be they had like whole open close sensors. Now they just have mercury switch type uh, angle sensors. So if the yeah. switch is tilted, it assumes the door is open and you can check on your phone and make sure you close the garage door or that, you know, yeah, that a teenager sense. closed the garage door. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There's so much going. I, I, I would like, cause I, I, um, I, I, you know, I'm a nerd, so I bring that into every element of my life. I, I do like to grow my vegetables and, uh, uh, I live in California, so I don't want to waste water. And I feel like the automation stuff is getting to a point where I can get sensors into the soil. Oh, for sure. In the in the vegetable beds, where I can either I can you know I could tie that to watering automatically, or just giving myself a notification: Hey, things are getting pretty dry. You need to get out on water. So um, I I just feel like we're on the edge of getting a lot of this stuff together. And the last couple of years, Apple, Google, and the various entities have put together some pretty good back end stuff now. Yeah, uh, well, I'm, that's what I'm going needed. in with the Apple stuff. Yeah. Like the home yeah. kit thing is great because all these different protocols can begin to communicate. All the manufacturers have to do is build the home bridge compliance. They, I mean, the home yeah. kit bridge. And once they do that, you can have your hue bulbs and your Insteon devices and your whatever else all talking through one system. And that's what's been missing for years now. If you yeah. wanted to, and Apple, go ahead. Sorry, I was saying, and Apple, because they've always had the encryption requirement, and it was supposed to be hardware encryption originally, but now they can allow software encryption. So, I feel like we're going to get a lot more de- uh, connected devices next year or two. Yeah, 
and and easily um, interfaceable devices. I always, I just always hated having to buy into one, you know, X10 or Insteon, um, Z-Wave, like to have to like really dedicate to one ecosystem and only buy those parts. That's yeah. why I've always hacked together systems. But yeah, anyway, I agree. The future is bright. My second pick, uh, it's an app that uh, while I've had some issues with it in in rooms that are not clean, uh, it's called Tap Measure, and it uses an augmented reality to measure a room or even to level and measure items within a room. So you can, it has three different modes, but the one that's coolest to me is basically you let it calibrate for a second and then you tap a corner, like you're looking through your camera and you tap a corner of the room and then you move it around and you just keep tapping until you've drawn the floor. And then you can tap and raise that up to the height of the ceiling and then press a button and it creates a like wireframe view of the room with measurements and everything. Uh, so you can quickly get square feet. You can quickly get the height and width of a wall. You can automatically detect doors. And when you tap them, it adds it to the, the rendering. You can tap like uh, shelves. I, like I, I can take a room and then subtract the size of the shelves from the floor space. And it will just automatically redraw it for me. It is, I, I love it. It is one of the best uses of AR that in my life. I found. Yeah, I feel like in the next like six to twelve months, we're going to see some very interesting uses for AR. Now that, that the, the toys me. are out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean AR me has too. always been cool. Uh, I remember a long time ago, like what's been like iOS three. Someone had a. It was like a Wikipedia thing, and you could point it at what you were looking at, and if there were landmarks that existed on Wikipedia, it would pop up little like pins over them and you could tap them to find out more about that landmark. That yeah. was cool. Basically used like uh, GPS combined with Wikipedia. That was awesome. But, uh, but yeah, like the future of AR and honestly using my iPhone, I I'm a huge uh, cyberpunk fan. Bruce Sterling, William Gibson, like they were writing about these ideas long before even MIT started their wearables division, like the old gargoyles, Uh, the idea of just like having a pair of glasses that would augment your reality, that would give you information beyond what was visible. That has always been a dream, just like talking to my lights. These things are coming true and I'm not quite 40 yet. Do you think... What do you think is going to be the real play at the end of the day? Is it going to be glasses you wear that, that throw AR at you? Or like in the movie Her, an earpiece that's talking in your ear? I'm rooting for uh, subdermal implants. But that's going to be a hard sell for most people. Yeah. I feel like the earpiece is probably where things will go. I, I, I feel if you look at uh, the AirPods and Siri versus Google Glass, which one had the staying power? It was the earbuds. Personally, I wish it had been Google Glass 
I think it, I would gladly switch back to wearing glasses from contacts if I had that power in my glasses. I can see where you're going, and I, I, I do think you can get maybe more information with a uh, with an augmented reality pair of glasses, but it makes it so hard to talk to other people. Right. Well, but I mean, I, as it is right now. I don't like talking to myself. Like, that was the thing with her and and with Siri in general, is if I'm walking down the street, I am not comfortable asking Siri to play the next song because I can, I'm always worried that the person nearest me is going to think that I want them to skip a song. It's not rational, but I don't, I don't, I don't like talking. I would rather have an interface that could detect my hand movements and I could just swipe like I was swatting a fly and it would skip to the track. Yeah. I I honestly don't know what I would prefer. I, I think I like the idea in terms of when I'm interacting with other people, of not having them with little screens in front of their eyes. Cause it's hard talking to people now without having them look down at their phone while you're talking to them. Right. But you and, get used to that. Yeah. But I mean, just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Now I, I, so, so Brad, if you're like walking down the street and you see a guy come in the other direction, are you the uh, look down at your feet and keep walking guy? Are you the make eye contact and say hello guy? Where are you on the spectrum here? It depends on where I am. In my, I live in a small town, and in most cases, if it's a grown-up, like someone over 25, I will absolutely check. You know, like, I'll, I'll glance and see if they're looking for eye contact, and if so, I'll say, hey, morning, how's it going? If not, I will gladly just stare past them. I don't like looking down at my shoes. That, that reminds me too much of high school. I, uh, I I will say hello. I don't care whether you look at me or not. I'll say hello. Do you ever, I'm, I'm if someone kind. refuses to make eye contact with eye contact with you, do you do it uh, aggressively? No, I do, do it. Do you say friendly. it sarcastically? Well, hello. No, I don't do it that way. I'm like, <laughs> hey, how's it going? And and it's interesting to me because sometimes they still don't acknowledge you. Does that does that bother you then? Ah, uh, no. Or do you feel like, no. hey, I tried. I, I, I upheld my end of the social contract. I people, I was going and I was walking into yoga this morning. I was still more than a half a block away from the door. And, uh, one of the girls who works at the yoga studio saw me and she's like, Hey, good morning, sunshine. Before I could respond, this hipster guy on a bicycle riding by turns around. He's like, Oh, good morning. <laughs> It was such a delightful moment. Yeah. Um, I felt really good for that guy all day. Like someone, random stranger just yelled out, good morning, sunshine to him. That's wonderful. I feel like if you can make somebody's day with a nice greeting, you should go for it. I am with you on that. And when people ask you how you're doing, don't tell them you're not doing well. Don't tell them, oh, I'm tired or, oh, it's Monday. Just say, hey. If it's at all good, say, hey, I'm great. Because it cheers yeah. people up. Like, even if they wanted to share in misery, they don't get to. Instead, they get to share in your, like, upbeat attitude. It it does change people's days. I used to do it just to piss people off. But it turns out people tell me, oh, no, it really changed my day when I found out you were having a great day. And, and for the love of Pete, don't say you're busy. I hate that. 
How are you doing? I'm so busy. <laughs> it, it doesn't really mean anything, except for I have bad, poor time management skills. But we've talked about yeah. that before. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's your pick, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> kind of lost track. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, the, you know, every time I work on a big project, I always have some kind of dessert planned for myself when it's over. And uh, you and I getting this book out the door, I knew exactly what I wanted to do once we finished it. And there's a brand new book out that, I wa- that I've been wanting to read. It just got released. Uh, I don't know if I've ever said it on this show, but I am a complete Star Wars nerd. I love Star Wars more than a grown man should. And... um I think it started because when the first movie came out, I was eight years old and I just bonded to that movie. So anyway, uh, there's a lot of um, fiction. Uh, you know, they, they used to call it the extended universe, but now they got different names for it because Disney took over. But you know, there's a lot of fiction out there and a lot of really terrible books uh, written about Star Wars that you know people picked up on the story and, and a few good ones. Uh, well, one of those few good ones just came out, and it's called From a Certain Point of View. And it's celebrating 40 years of Star Wars. It's 40 different stories, and they pick points of view from characters that weren't primary in the movies. Um, for instance, they've got a story about Amperu finding her voice, you know, the lady that was barely in the first movie and died very early. And they've got 40 different authors, uh, all very good authors, writing these short stories about different little sections of the Star Wars universe. And if you enjoy the movies, you're going to like this. Uh, Will Wheaton, you know, uh, our nerd friend Will Wheaton wrote one about uh, the rebels left behind on Yavin. And I'm not which, familiar uh, with it. him. Yeah. I'm just kidding. You're not familiar with Will Wheaton? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Messing with me. Uh, the, uh, the book, the, the authors all uh, gave up making money on the book. All of the uh, proceeds are getting donated to First Book, which is a nonprofit getting books to uh, kids that need them. And um, so you can feel good about buying the book. And they have it in Amazon. They have it in digital version. They have it in iBooks. They have it. They have Audible version. So if you want to listen to it, a lot of the uh, – they had some good um, – I think Neil Patrick Harris and some other kind of known actors – read some of the short stories so uh no matter how you want to consume the media it's out there and if you like star wars it's just a bunch of good little stories to read and uh i have only read one because we just got the book shipped and i'm still dealing with kind of the post-publication stuff but i am really looking forward to uh, to getting through this stuff you just said star wars i'm pretty sure you meant star trek didn't you what what is star trek i don't even know what you're talking about what is that? <laughs> I don't mean to start any flame wars. Yeah. But Star Trek is way better than Star Wars. You know, we can have a whole discussion on that and that if you'd like. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, I've never had those before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. That would probably be another podcast. Maybe some alcohol involved. Maybe we might start breaking things. I don't know. Are you not drinking right now? Oh. Just um, <laughs> I didn't get the memo. <laughs> um, I have to ask. So I've never, I've never read any of the books related to either Star Wars or Star Trek. Mostly, be, I don't know. I, I'd rather watch it. But um, have you watched the Orville? Have I watched the what? The Orville. Not yet. It I, is. That's. So when I saw the previews, I was excited because it looked like uh, a spoof on Star Trek and Seth MacFarlane is funny. 
Uh, yeah. I thought that would be funny. It is an astoundingly good show. Like it stands really? off of its as its own like kind of uh, maybe a Star Trek tribute. Did I yeah. say Star Wars too? Anyway, no, you said Star Trek. Yeah, like it it stands off on its own as like a solid sci-fi drama addressing social issues just the way Roddenberry intended. Nice. I have been. I have. I was shocked. Like, yeah, it's irreverent. It pokes fun. Uh, the the androidish character. It, it it sounds exactly like Brent Spiner in the TNG days, and yeah. it like the show is. I have very high hopes for it. I think I've, I think it's three episodes in right now, but I am already I'm sold on it. I haven't seen Star Trek Discovery yet. I will get to it. So I'm saying this not as a oh this is better than S. Oh man, so we always called Next Generation TNG, right? Yeah. Do we say STD now? I don't know, man. I feel I feel like that was a poor planning on the Star Trek Discovery people's part. Yeah, how did they deal with that? I I, I am a TNG fan. It, it um when I was going through law school, it was on. It was it was actually they were still making it, but uh, it was enough into their run that they were playing them every night at seven, and that was my break every night. I would stop and make my top ramen and watch yeah. an episode of the Next Generation. It's a great show. So for me, TNG was like while I was in my early teens and it was a show I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of TV, but that was a show my whole family could sit down and enjoy. Yeah. And it addressed social issues that in my family were a little bit uncomfortable sometimes, but it did it in a way that was abstracted enough that we could have really good conversations. That was the beauty of it to me. Like, I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed the the kind of fantasy futurist aspects of it. But the way that it was able to address issues that would otherwise have been uncomfortable for me, uh, a budding anarchist in a very religious family, it, it, it broached the topics in a way that could be discussed civilly. And that was the beauty of the whole the whole Roddenberry legacy to me. Yeah. I've been on so many podcasts. I don't think I have a single unpublished thought. And I, I almost know that I've said this on some podcast somewhere, but I remember distinctly, I was too young to be in the original run of star Trek, you know, when it was new, but it was still in reruns when I was a kid and there was nothing on TV except like star Trek and, you know, twilight zone and a couple things. So, um, I watched a lot of the original, uh, series and I, I must have been like seven or eight or probably younger, but I distinctly remember watching the episode of Star Trek where they had the war of the people and half of the people were black on the left mm -hmm. side and white on the right side and the other half were the opposite and they were all killing each other. And I remember being this very young kid watching it thinking, man, that's effed up. And it like it, it really set my whole thought about um, racism and the differences between us and how there really aren't any differences between us at a very young age. And, uh, I, I know like, I, I feel like I was, I was fortunate that my parents were very, um, you know, th they were very tolerant and very, I, you know, they always taught me that you judge somebody not by the color of their skin, but the, um, 
but that was a very formative thought for me in Star Trek, you know, when I was very young, before I was old enough to even really think about what I was learning, but it really kind of set things for me. I always felt And like. to that end, the Orville in the first three episodes has already covered uh, gender identity and the idea that uh, a child should be allowed to choose its gender identity. And the ending of that episode is not happy for anyone. Like, I don't care what side of an issue like that you might fall on. The ending, yeah. it feels, um, it feels bad. Like it's not melancholy. It feels bad. It feels like something went wrong. And that to me, <laughs> it, it leaves you with questions that you want to talk about. So yeah, same thing. In my opinion, same thing. Like addressing these tough issues at the time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I I do highly recommend that. I'm in. Also, I'm gonna if watch I it. decide to read a book such as From a Certain Point of View, that will be the first book of that type that I read. I think this, well, I don't know if you're not into Star Wars. It's not that it's I'm not, not into it. It's, it's that I don't feel like it does what Star Trek does. I'm into all sci-fi. Like there's no reason I would be like, yeah. I will only watch Star Trek, not Star Wars. I, I, I granted if I were going to start reading books like that, I would probably start with something about Star Trek. I feel like it would be more interesting. I'm being a downer. I'm sorry. This is how those flame wars start. That's okay. You want to, are you done trashing my pick yet? I mean, <laughs> is there anything else you want to say? <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a great pick for, for the right crowd. And, and probably that's, that's the crowd listening to this show. And I just started a huge, like chain of complaint emails. I'll hear about this. If, if they have a certain <laughs> point of view. Well played. Um, so my third pick is going to be a game that I found out because of the, uh, I found it because of the new app store in iOS 11 that does these detailed kind of app of the week picks and offers biographical information on them and everything. So this one sounded interesting enough. And apparently it was a, a design award winner that I totally missed, but it's called Severed. And it's about a heroine with one arm trying to find her parents. And the artwork is awesome. It has this kind of um, it's like watercolor kind of quality to it. It's all very abstract, I guess. But it's kind of a cross between um, Fruit Ninja. Yeah. And... Uh, like a quest game and it is I don't know it's gorgeous it's fascinating I'm enjoying it as a bathroom game and as a longer term like I'm gonna take some time and play severed now and it has goals and it's not an endless runner which is what I usually prefer I'm I'm kind of infatuated with this game yeah I'm looking at it right now interesting it's pretty, right? There are some really great games on iOS. And the best ones are the ones that don't try to copy like a Nintendo paradigm because, you know, it's this touch interface. But this one is like one that really takes advantage of the touch 
Yeah. It's all about the touch. It, yes, it really is. And and there are games like Boost. Have you ever seen Boost? No, what's that one? It's been around forever. Uh, but it uses the accelerometer. So you are driving. It's first person. You're seeing the track. And you just, you're using tilt to steer. But it it's an amazing game. Like, it's still, I still play it. And I got it back when I had my first iPhone. Um, that game is awesome. But... To that there's, end. there's a boost two out now. Yeah. Did, yeah. You know? That is, that's the one I'm playing these days. All right. It is. That one's awesome. And it uses, you know, it's all about accelerometers, which at the time it came out, this was before like we or anything that had motion control. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it stands up. It's been a good game, but so, you're right. Severed is all about, being able to touch and interact. And there are games that well, we were talking before the show about flower. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's all accelerometer. You're, you're using your, your phone's angle to move around that game. Uh, I, I am fascinated by it. I don't yet. I've only played it for a couple of days now, but I don't yet understand the point yet. Somehow I, it's enough to keep me, cruising around for a while yeah i think i could because i used to be very twitchy into game you know, like i like fast shooters and whatnot and uh at some point i i have now become somebody who can appreciate a game that's more leisurely like flower and flower you're the wind and your job is just to blow the wind and you pick up petals and i guess pollen and you go into these dead valleys and blow the flowers around to pollinate and make everything green and pretty and that's and there's no timer there's no you can do it as quickly or as slowly as you want and um i find that kind of uh, nice nice and relaxing it, it sounds i mean you have to admit that it sounds ridiculous yes but i agree <laughs> once you start playing it, it you're this is a huge break from the usual uh shoot 'em up fast trigger finger kind of game I do I, I there is definitely something appealing about it I, don't I know like you... games I can play near bedtime yes that don't like if I play something like threes or any kind of word game any kind of puzzle game before bed even if it's a couple hours before bed I dream about the puzzle yes and, and I it just gets you wound up and hitting the, yeah. yeah it does and uh, something more relaxing is, I don't know, like I can, I could, I could probably, if I played Severed near bedtime, I would probably dream about solving those puzzles, but it would, I would fall asleep at least. Yeah. Well, I, I think Flower reminds me in that sense of a game from a few years ago called Alto's Adventure, which was. Oh man. Have you played Alto's Adventure since they changed the wingsuit? No. You can't, like, once you have the wingsuit, you can't do a backflip anymore. I have not figured out how this is supposed to work. If you press and hold, the wingsuit automatically engages. I I really liked it, and then I got to a pretty high level at some point, and I could just not get whatever it was I needed to get. And that was an example of when a game gets, they just make it un, you know too hard. Out of curiosity, was the goal you were trying to hit flying 100 meters 
uh, with a proximity wingsuit. 100 proximity meters with the wingsuit. I think I got that one. I've been stuck there for a year. So what I did was I found like a, a nice, um, it was a slope down and I just, I got it right and I just I, stayed. Yep. I got and, 90 and that, yeah. <laughs> it's but been I got past that, but something else. And, and then I think, and then I just, you know, it's like I just lost energy for it because I couldn't get, I, it became suddenly what was relaxing became frustrating. I'm like, no, this feels like a job. So, but then I think I read at some point they, they opened up to like an endless run where there is no really goal. And I'm like, you know, that would be something I would like. In fact, I'm going to reload that and see, just see what, what's going on with that game. Cause it's been a long time. Have you played games on your Apple TV at all? Do you have an uh, Apple TV? I should, that should be the first question. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, not really. I mean, I, I installed some, but I've not sat there and, and really played any. I think that, what's that, Seahorn Adventure or Oceanhorn? Yeah. I installed that one. I've enjoyed that. Um, that and Bullet Boy. The, my favorite game on Apple TV is Icicle. But... Uh, Alto's adventure is actually pretty fun on the Apple TV. Yeah, that makes sense because it's just one button. So yeah, that would work <laughs> because, because I have to reiterate the Siri remote is not a game controller. It will never be a game controller. Yeah. It sucks as a game controller, but if it's a one button game like Alto's, it's great. I did buy the like Xbox 360 style controller for the Apple yeah. TV. Yeah, I'm not sure why I did, but I did too. <laughs> I don't play, I don't even game that much. Like the games yeah. I just listed, the, the games I play, that's it. I, I have to charge <laughs> it every time I want to use it. It's like, oh, got to plug this in and charge it again. <laughs> the, um, another game I bought for the Apple TV, which I actually enjoyed and I played with my nephew for about an hour uh, last time it was over, and I'll probably play more, is Never Alone. Haven't played that one. It's a little Eskimo and her pet wolf. That you can like change, you can change from the wolf body to the to the kid body. And, I already love it. Yeah, it's um, I I really like it, and uh, so that that's a, that's the best Apple TV game I've played, and and I'm looking forward to playing it more. But I only play it with my nephew. That's kind of our thing. So I'm not allowed if I like make progress on it before he comes back. He'll be he'll be ready to you know to bust some knuckles on me. <laughs> I, uh, I guarantee you after this show is done, I'm going to look up Never Alone. I need a new game. Yeah. I always need new games. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Well, that's three and three. Just that's three a things. Six. That's all. <laughs> I uh, thank you for being here, David. My pleasure, Mr. Terpstra. And as I've said on the last episode, anyone who wants to just do three picks that doesn't want a full interview that just wants to come on and talk about cool stuff please ping me um i don't even care if you're good at talking if you can get through 30 minutes of top three picks you're on uh so feel free contact me through brettterpshire.com slash contact or twitter whatever you want do you, do, you, right. do you feel stressed because you've got to have three picks for everybody? Everybody comes oh, you, on, you need three more. I, all week long, every time I think, of, every time I'm like, oh man, I really like this, I have to take a note, have a little one writer note that syncs to NVL that lists everything that I find interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I have to come up with three things I'm willing to talk about. And 
rave about to some extent every week. You should have like a dedicated X10 mic that if you say anything into it, <laughs> it gets an Amazon affiliate link and, you know, puts the show notes together for you. There's no X10 mic. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, again, thank you. And where can people find you, David? Uh, go over to MaxSparky.com. That's where uh, the central repository of all things nerdy. Uh, I do two podcasts. One is called Mac Power Users with Katie Floyd, and the other one's called Free Agents with Jason Snell. So if you want to listen to me more, go to those. But if you go to Max Sparky, you can find all that stuff. Excellent. And as always, you can find me at brettterpshire.com and ttscoff on Twitter and everywhere else. Thanks again, David. Thank you for having me. And we will see everybody in a week. Bye.